0: I remember thinking no one's ever going to beat this guy. I remember watching you, Mike, when when you first came on the scene. I'd never seen anything like it. I never have since. You were the most ferocious, incredible fighter I've ever watched. It was the most exhilarating, exciting thing to watch you in those black shorts, getting in that ring, your neck twitching. Even I, thousands of miles away in England, I was collapsing in fear. And I didn't go anywhere near you. All right,
1: another great episode of Hot Boxing is on its way. I'm Mike Tyson. I'm Evan Britton. And our guest here today is Pierce Morgan. How Hell you doing, Pierce? Yeah.
0: I'm very excited to be here, Mike. Yeah, I
1: was talking to earlier, Pierce, um, where actually are you from? You're not actually from London, England,
0: are you? No, I'm from the south. So right. it's just south of London, about an hour south on the south coast, brought up, brought up in a little village... My parents ran a country pub. So I grew up in an environment where most nights people were drinking too much, getting into fights, and my dad having to throw them into the street. So, you know, I had a bruising upbringing. You think you had it tough? (laughs) You should have been in my village in those early years.
1: I've been in England most of my life, right? Mm -hmm. Until they make that silly law, if you did more than three or so years, you can't come back in, something Mm -hmm. to that effect. And every time I've been there, those guys... um, they're like legendary folklore, you know? Mm. They, they remember the past, the tough bad men and everything, the real bare-knuckle fighters. Mm.
0: Now, we're a nation of warriors. It's just amazing. Absolutely. Most Brits amazing. are up for a scrap, if yeah. you give them half a Your chance. You
1: fought Caesar, remember? Mm.
0: Who? You fought
1: Caesar. Who? You fought Julius Caesar, fought the, remember? Yes.
0: Yes, yeah. I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, but listen, Mike, in, I mean, in Britain, Mike is an absolute icon. Yeah. I mean, I remember you going down, I think it was the last time you came over. I remember, I think you went down to Brixton or somewhere. Was that crazy? And the cr- it was honestly, it That's was crazy. as if Mandela had gone down there. It was nuts. But I remember thinking that was a really, it was a really interesting thing to watch, to see someone like you down there and the crowds that came out. Very powerful. They, they was, that,
1: to me, that was overwhelming to me at that time in my life. I bet. You know, I was just. When was that? I don't know. I was fighting then. I don't know what time it Oh, no, you know. okay. But it was just crazy. Because we
0: had a funny story because I, I used to run a newspaper called The Daily Mirror, one of the big selling I remember papers. remember that paper. And when you fought Julius Francis, do you yeah, remember that? Yeah. So Julius Francis was – he wasn't a great fighter, to be honest with you, but uh, Frank Warren had set up this fight with you and Julius Francis. So I rang Frank and I said, look, is there any sponsorship available on Julius Francis? Oh, yeah. So he, so he, he said um, – he said, well, what do you mean? What are you thinking? He said, I said, well, has anybody, I has anybody sponsored the seat of his pants and the soles of his feet? And his shoes. Soles of his shoes. So Frank goes, what are, you, what are you getting at? I went, look, if we were to offer £20,000, could we put the Daily Mirror logo on his backside and on the soles of his feet? Because I've got a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot of that on TV. And the funny thing was it was airing on Sky Sports, which was Rupert Murdoch, who were the rival Newspaper group as well, because they had The Sun. So Julius Francis gets in against Mike, and I'm watching it live at home thinking, come on, Mike, just knock him over at least four or five times with the with our logo. He had a
1: bunch right? of knockdowns. Yeah, so he, bunch of knockdowns. So he
0: knocked him over it's four or five of times. And time, a bunch of knockdowns, he, right time down. all each time all he saw were his feet like this with Daily Mirror. Or his back with Piers? Daily Mirror on. And we did I remember the front page, I can remember it. The whole front page was a picture of his of the feet like this and it just said pride in defeat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have to say Dude, this. That's um, insane. <laughs> I you know I spent a lot of time in England. I've been oh man, I've been on like um, tours in England. I would go and I would go from I would start from London and we would go all the way up to York, mm. Dungcaster, all these time Birmingham. We would just keep going, Derby. Just kept going. We just, Did you like it? Did you like? I you, loved it. You just on, on tour, meeting it. people, speaking, tours, um, meeting, and greet, having dinners. 2,000, um, Two thousand, three thousand people. It's just mm. crazy.
0: Fish That's and crazy. chips with mushy peas, Mike. Did you try oh, that? No. Oh, but yeah, we had fish and chips. Fish and chips <laughs> and mushy yeah, peas. Yeah, up and off. So what
1: got you into the um, show business?
0: Well, I always wanted to be a journalist. So from an early age, I just was obsessed with news and newspapers. And then I, I did it the conventional way. I trained to be a journalist. I uh, went on local papers for a couple of years in Wimbledon in South London where the tennis is. Wimbledon News was my first paper. And then I worked my way up onto the national papers and then ended up becoming the youngest ever editor of a national daily newspaper. That must have been a head trip for you. It was a pretty, you know, it's a very interesting thing, isn't it? Where, the, where there's a fearlessness of youth. And I know that you must have felt that when you were, I remember watching you fight when you were twenty twenty one, and you were completely fearless. And that fearlessness as you get older it becomes, you know, you lose a little bit of the fearlessness once you start having commitments and mortgages and, and kids and all the rest of it. I think there is that thing when you're young that you have. I certainly felt it when I walked into that newsroom with all these journalists, most of whom we were older than me, that I had to somehow get their authority and I had to run this extraordinary newspaper. And I did it for 10 years, but I remember thinking it was easier when I was younger and my head was a bit clearer, and I had that fearless thing than when I was a bit older.
1: Hmm. Hey, listen, I can remember the time Rupert Murdoch and their paper—they were—they were have—they were have, had like ransoms. Out, they're not like, rewards. Out they can get you can get pictures of certain celebrities in awkward mm. positions and stuff.
0: Mm. Yeah, but listen, the, the British tabloids are rough and they tumble, murdering. rough and tumble. I'm gonna tell you the difference
1: between the Americans and the English um, tabloids, right? Um, the American people want, want to sue you for money. The tabloids want to uh, ruin your reputation. Mm. Mm. In England, they just want to sm- just smuck. fucking make you look put terrible. Put smuck out there on you. They well, really, I would, I was They slightly, don't even want any money. They just want to put the,
0: the <laughs> fucking the smuck out there. I was, sli- I was f- slightly... Buy ca- them off. C- <laughs> they do wow. it for free. Mike, if I could slightly counter with a, a counter punch here early <laughs> on. Uh, defending my old profession. What I would say is that the British papers, they love to build people up. They love to knock them down, and they love a redemption story as well. They love them coming back. So it's tough. It's rough. <laughs> it's like being a – I always felt like you're in a, in a prize fight every day. You know, you're in a rough and tumble newsroom. You're covering rough stories, rough people, and it was uh, – you know, you had to be tough to do it. But it reminded me of being in a fight half the time.
1: It's it so interesting.
2: And also, I, I mean, they love that here in America too. Not they. like
1: Eng- mm. oh, is just a, listen, I mean, just to build. They idolize up. you. Idolization is such a massive um fucking following in mm. England and those um UK neighborhoods. Idolizing is just, they have great things to idolize. You know what I mean? They mm. they have the great um the English warriors and stuff. They mm. have, they even have the guys from the IRA. They have the Kray
0: Brothers. All those guys. They make those guys into legends, folklore. Mm. Like they're almost superheroes, gods quite yeah. true I mean the cray twins that might cited there were gangsters from the East End of London. they shouldn 't really have been heroes to anybody, and yet now still after long after they' both died, the cray twins they're revered in many parts of East London, certainly. Uh, because they, you know, they had a, a hold over their people, where they they looked after the women and the kids and everything else. They only fought their own, as they put it. There was a kind of honor amongst thieves. I used they to write
1: Reggie Cray when I was in prison. Oh, you did?
0: Yeah. And he wrote back to you? Yeah, he wrote me first. Really? I wrote him back. Yeah. Wow. What did you discuss with him?
1: Um, he was telling me about his life, and I was discussing what I was doing here and how I feel about being here and what I'm gonna do when I get out. And when I came out. Um So that was when you were in prison. Yeah, so when I came out to prison, I was I was I was fighting somebody. I think it was Julius Francis I was coming out to fight somebody, the big fight, and I gave my respects so I went to visit his family and I was talking kindly about him and they almost sent me out of the country back to America.
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean he was you know, I, I had some dealings with him. You they, did? They were tough guys. I mean they, they you know the the sixties in London so they
1: you know, prison must have saw he's such a sweet man.
0: He was very well-behaved in prison. Yeah, they both were. There. I mean, Ronnie, his brother, was in Broadmoor, which was more of a psychiatric prison. Yeah, Ronnie was really out there. Huh? Yeah, he was slightly madder, I'd say. Reg was in a conventional prison, wasn't he? Um, yes. Parkhurst and then Maidstone, I think. But they, they were, you know, fascinating parts of English folklore. They were folk heroes to many people. In the Richardson's and stuff. I was you know, at in a restaurant, Mike, about three years ago with some old village friends. And this guy came to our table immaculate in a smart suit and beard and everything and came over and he introduced himself to me and thank god i was friendly <laughs> he said he said uh, mr morgan i wonder if, you know, my i think he said my wife would like to have a photograph of it. I said, of course no problem i anyway, did all that and then we had a little chat and he walked off and the maitre d of the restaurant came over and said do you know who that is i went no he said that's charlie richardson yeah, they're, they're From the you, Richardson man. gang. Now, they were the rival gang to the Cray. They're to the they were they, killing each other. I mean, they're they were killing, killing, killing a lot of people. So I was very glad I was friendly to him.
1: They'll so, kill you if you say, I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of you. They'll kill you. You're not afraid of me? Boom. <laughs> That's so intense, Whoa. man. Whoa.
2: Do you think there's something to it being an older, um, an older section? of the world, you know, than America. America is very young. I feel like there's not much – the identity
0: gets so blurred sometimes. England was so many countries
1: before it was England, right?
0: Well, it's it's interesting. It's taking
1: different inhabitants that England Well, it's
0: interesting. I mean America – right. America has a reputation worldwide of being a very violent country, Uh particularly with the guns and everything else. And I always say to people, even though I've been – I've campaigned against the guns uh, to try and – Put some control on it. But I always say you have to understand America is a very young country yeah. and that Britain, when it was a young country, was constantly at war with people, mm. constantly. Everyone had a gun in those right. days in Britain. Same with Germany. Same with Japan, Australia. So a lot of countries that used to have a lot of guns but are older countries, I think, you know, eventually came to a more peaceful scenario with their with their countries and their people. America it still seems to me is a, it's a fantastic country in so many ways. But we're still fear-driven. But you're fear-driven. Mm, I think yeah. a lot of paranoia in America. I think a lot of medication mm-hmm. tools, uh, is, yeah. is part of the problem. 80% of the world's painkillers are taken in America. Yeah, it's I mean, it's, it's crazy. a staggering statistic. Staggering. You have all the opioid crisis. You have everything. And you have this, this gun culture, which doesn't seem strange to Americans. But, it, God, it seems strange to everybody else. I mean, you know, I was – Interesting. I, I mean, for example – in Britain, we have, we're fifth of the size of America. And in Britain, we have 32 gun deaths a year on average. America will have 80, 80 people today die from <laughs> guns yeah. and tomorrow and the next day. 32,000 a year. Another 70,000 get hit by gunfire but don't die. They're saved by surgeons. And I always say, look, it's the, the, the strange thing for me, I've got my, two of my sons here. And one of them, he's six foot one, six foot two, long hair, beard, everything, right? Yeah. And I tried to get him a non-alcoholic <laughs> beer at Gladstone's in Malibu, right? The restaurant. This is a couple of years ago. And, it, and they wouldn't serve him a non-alcoholic beer without ID. I said, it's non-alcoholic. Then when it has 0.001% alcohol. Right. We're not allowed to give him a non-alcoholic beer. The same month, up in Arizona, an eight-year-old girl was at a, a gum range called Bullets and Burgers. And she was being taught how to fire guns for her birthday party. And this f- former Marine was teaching her. And you, the parents were videoing this with their phone. And you see her take ever bigger, more powerful guns. And eventually he gives her an Uzi submachine gun, an eight-year-old kid. And she goes, pop, pop. And then the everything goes nuts. The video, because she lost control and she shot the guy in the head, the Marine killed him. And to me, these two things happening, In the space of the same month, a six-foot-two-inch 23-year-old kid guy can't get a non-alcoholic beer because he hasn't got his ID on him, and an eight-year-old girl can fire an Uzi machine gun and kill somebody. Legally,
1: I know that's it's bad. It's fucking too, but, crazy. But you have to look how we look in this country too. You know, we have our young, we have our young daughters out here. We have our sons out here. And there's animals out here. They're disrespectful animals out here. Fuck you, just mm-hmm. do whatever he wants to your daughter, or your son. Fuck you, do it, do what you want. You call a cop, the cops don't we go to court, he didn't, he done nothing to you. He said, fuck you, he may have touched you. This is not nothing. He might have going scared you. you. He just scared you. He done nothing to you. And then again, if he can harass, he drives the insane. What do you want her to do? How does she defend herself?
0: I think I, I'm not at all saying America has to give up all his guns. I understand there are so many guns out there that people want to defend themselves. But I do think there ought to be, in my opinion, take all the school shootings, right? These mass shootings that go on at schools tend to be slightly unhinged kids, 19, 20, 21, who, yeah. you know, something wrong with them. on the spectrum, right? Over-medicated, playing these video games 20 hours a day and so on. And they have such easy legal access to semi-automatic rifles. Yeah, And it's that where I think, come on, America. Well, a lot of these you, guys are You're empowering humiliated. these kids to commit mass murder. I agree murder.
1: that too. You know, but what they don't say, a lot of parents teach their, their children how to hunt, how to...
0: Shoot guns. I'm, I'm supportive of that. Yeah. My brother's a British Army colonel, right, is in Afghanistan right now serving with Americans, right, in, mm. in Kabul. I, I don't have a problem intrinsically with guns to hunt, to do sports shooting, even in America to defend yourself. I get that argument. I do have a problem with 19-year-old nutjob kids getting AR-15s Absolutely. and shooting up schools. Yes, it's unnecessary. Um,
1: Americans' big problems I fear. We don't want to be humiliated. We don't want to be embarrassed in front of anyone.
0: Yeah. You see, what I would say, Mike, is that here's the difference. In Britain, we have lots of fights, right? Yeah. Lots of people get into fights. on in a pub on a Friday night. They get in a fight. <laughs> the difference here is a lot of little fights very quickly become a gun shoot. Yeah. You know, a little argument, a dispute, people crashing into each other by mistake, and then out come the guns. And before you know it, it's all over and people are dead. In Britain, that doesn't happen because they don't have the tools <clears throat> to kill each other. We have a knife problem. But it's nowhere near as big as the gun thing. I know in the Ireland, they don't give a damn. Right. Yeah, well.
1: Yeah, they'll shoot you there.
0: In Ireland? Yeah. Well, got, you've got a gang issue with guns in Ireland. Huh. But in, England, in England, we had a mass shooting in 1996. Sixteen school children, very similar to Sandy Hook, got killed. And we banned basically all guns from civilian use. Mm. And that's why we, have, we haven't had a school shooting since. Sandy Hook happened in 2012. I was on air at CNN. Mm. And 20 kids got killed. Nothing got done. To stop it happening again, there have been 250 school shootings since Sandy Hook. Now, as a parent, you're a parent, right? Absolutely. I'm a parent. I don't know if you're a parent, yeah. but parents should be looking at this going, come on, this is, our kids should not be going no, to school this is not, worrying about this is not being shot. not what we up.
1: do in America. In America, we teach our kids, you don't take no shit from nobody. Right.
0: right. You know what I mean? You but the take, problem with that if he's mind. too big, you yeah. get
1: something for him. Yeah. That's how I'm taught. If he's too big, you get something. You get your gun, you get your knife, yeah. you get your bat. That's how we talk. What do you think of that? What I think about that?
0: Hmm.
1: I think that is really um,
0: primitive primit- thinking. Hmm. How do you change the thinking? Excuse me? How do you change the thinking?
1: By teaching them how to love that gentleman. Going, walking with my child, show me the person that you have that
0: indication with and showing them we, we don't need to do this. Do people like you can change thinking? Yeah. With, with great respect to myself, when I was at CNN, you know, a British guy sounding like George Third is not <laughs> going to be the best person to make Americans give up their guns. Mike Tyson could make people change their mind about the aggression and the violence that so many people feel Definitely. in America. I think. You know, I want to know what he hates
1: about himself so much that he wants to kill that guy. Right. You know, what is it about him that he hates about himself that he wants that guy dead? Right,
2: right. Because that's what it always comes down to how much pain that that individual is in. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. And we
2: don't approach that at all in America. We don't approach the mental health.
0: Well, you see, but I argue this. Every country has mental health problems, right? Britain Mm. has lots of mental health problems. What you have to do is stop the people that are on that spectrum of mental illness or have problems – from easy access to killing machines.
2: That's easy. I mean, that should be an easy step. Well, it's step. easy
0: to do, but there has to be a will to do it. Right. And in America, there's no will politically, yeah. the NRA and others, to do anything at all. So nothing ever gets done. And most countries – were I mean, look at New Zealand, right? New Zealand had this appalling mass shooting at the mosque mm, in, yes. uh, a few weeks ago. And within two weeks, they had banned all semi-automatic rifles and guns, right? Gone. Done. They've had their massacre. They're not having another one or they're going to make it incredibly difficult to do that. I don't think anyone needs a semi-automatic either, weapon to defend themselves. I don't really either. Don't. But how do
1: we change this mentality in America? They're afraid to get beat up in front of their children and wives. Yeah, I get it.
0: You have to okay, change. The, I'm afraid
1: for you to smack me and I can't. You're too strong for me to fight you back or do anything. And you disrespect me in front of my children and wives. Well, what how did you do? change?
0: Because you've changed. Excuse me, huh? You've changed over the years, right? Yeah. You went from that kid when you were 13 and being arrested all the time and fighting all the time and everything. You became this guy. So how did you do that? Because um, I find that really interesting. How you I don't know evolved. I, um,
1: I had good friends. I had um, I had a good. I had a, what have a good support system, so to
0: speak. Right. Hit hit absolute rock bottom.
1: Absolutely, and that guy had to disappear because that
0: guy was too, totally too toxic for my existence. And do you remember a moment, Mike, when you thought? I need to change. Do you remember what that moment was?
1: No, I never, um, it was never I need to change. It was always I had to change it or I was going to die. Hmm. It was never I need to change. This was never, it was never because, hey, Mike, this is, a, this is um, a, a behavior I'm dealing with. It was my life I was dealing with. There was no way
0: I could exist hmm. continuing on. But a lot of people in America, I think, have that kind of anger and despair about the life they're living. But they also they, they get brought up in a, uh, angry and aggressive environments and they have firearms or whatever it may be. It's a, it's a dangerous cocktail. What's happening to our kids is terrifying. And we're creating a generation of ang- anxious yeah. kids who then they're killing themselves. Yeah. They're getting sucked into depression and heavy medication. They're committing mass murder in some cases. And I've got a theory about this. we just got to, in this battle with mental health, don't talk about mental health. There's mental illness mm. and there should be mental strength. Mm. How do you – we teach kids every day in school how to be good at maths or how to be good at, you know, sciences or any of these things. We should be teaching mental strength and resilience. Mm. How do you deal with life? Yeah, You know, how do you Absolutely. put things into perspective? Well, and well, yeah. From
1: what degree do we deal with life? You have to look um, from what level of degree. Right. How do we deal from life? You know what I mean? Uh, uh, what do you get – Uh, One of those um, guys, um, those swamis may think life is a different perspective, Mm -hmm. from a different dimension, you know? I mean, I think everyone— You look at life different from from where we may look at it from a different perspective.
0: Oh, completely. And listen, my upbringing in a little leafy village in the south of England compared to your upbringing, right? Completely different. However, however, the, the similarities are everybody has to face shit at some stage. Yeah. Right? You're going to lose loved ones that you care desperately about. You're going to have things go wrong in your life. You're going to get fired. You're going to get—you know—things going to happen. When you
1: lose, this is interesting. Now we go to the, when you lose those loved ones in your life. What do you think? Even though we continue to live our life, I lost a daughter, four-year-old daughter, yeah. a few years ago. Right? I remember. But Dick, um, I think I know when this is over. I'm going to be with her.
0: Yeah. And we'll be together. I, be, I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. I mean, my father died when I was one, for example and a lot of people have that kind of thing in their lives you know but my stepfather came along and took on two kids you know young boys in his mid 20s and uh, and he's you know my dad and every year that goes by when i think about what he did and the sacrifice he made my you know love and uh, feelings for him strengthened.
1: Can you imagine being 21 taking on that kind of responsibility? Right. I mean,
0: amazing. You know, when I think about my eldest my son there, he's, he's out there, he's 26, you know? Um, he's the same age my dad was when he came along and scooped up two kids. And, and it's, you know, the, people do extraordinary things, don't they? But I yeah. think that it, it, I try and teach my sons just life is, you know, there's that old rocky thing, isn't it? Life mm-hmm. really is about, it's not about how hard you can hit. Right? Yeah. Anyone can punch something.
1: How many Not as well out? as you. No,
0: It's how many times you get up when you get hit and you get knocked down and you're in a bad place. Can you get up and get on? The one thing I think I've always, looking back at my career, my life, is when I've been dealt blows, I've always tried to write, okay, let's just, now you've got to get up and get going again. And I just don't think enough kids these days get taught this, actually taught it. This is how you, this is how you become more resilient. This is how you deal with crap in your life. This is how you deal with stuff when it goes wrong. And, they, they get, you know, I I hate things like at school now participation prizes for everybody. No, no, that's not how it goes. Right? That's it's not terrible. life. Life isn't about everyone wins and everyone gets a participation prize. Right? Life's about people winning and losing and dealing with it. You must understand
1: competition. Competition is not like I'm better than you. Competition is the teach us- when we get mature, we won't give in under the slightest struggle. Yeah. You know? yeah. Right.
0: And also, yeah. it, until you lose, you don't know the joy of winning. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You can win, win, yeah. win. But when you lose, then the next time you win, it means, well, look at Tiger Woods, right? We were talking about this before we came yeah, out here. Yeah, Tiger Woods, no, nobody has had the highs and lows that that guy's had, right? Not even you, Mike, with respect, could probably compare to career-wise to what went on with Tiger Woods, where he's the number one golfer arguably in history. Right, And he's a black golfer in a white sport who transformed it completely, yeah. he built a generation of kids to come through and be athletes and everything. Amazing uh, trailblazer. And then it all goes horribly wrong. He's hit by scandal after scandal. His body collapses. He's number 1,199 in the world 18 months ago. He's done. He's finished. There's a brilliant video clip of Tiger Woods being shown people trolling him, you know, critics. Yeah, yeah. Other sports. He's people. done. He's done. He's finished. And Tiger's watching all this. He'll right? Never win again. Never win again. He's finished, and he shouldn't have won again. But the only person in the end who believed he could win again was Tiger Woods. Tiger, yet, and he won the Masters, and it was an amazing moment. Of not even redemption. This was revenge. This was you lot can suck it because I just put <laughs> all of you wrong. And you had a little. You got a picture out there, and it's Frank Sinatra. And it says the best revenge is massive success. It's true. It's so true, right? It's right. Absolutely, yeah. Whatever anyone says, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I remember watching you, Mike, when, I, when you first came on the scene. I'd never seen anything like it. I never have since. You were the most ferocious, incredible fighter I've ever watched. It was the most exhilarating, exciting thing to watch you in those black shorts getting in that ring, your neck twitching. Even I, thousands of miles away in England, I was collapsing in fear, and I didn't, I didn't go anywhere near you. And I remember it like the Michael Spinks fight when he's just staring at you, and you're thinking, Spinks is unbeaten, right? He should be, like, ready for this. And his legs start to wobble, and the whole thing's over before you get near him. And I remember thinking, this guy, no one's ever going to beat this guy. And then you got hit by your problems. You got hit by a few blows on and off, you know, in the ring, out of the ring, and you had to s- somehow deal with that. And for a top sportsman who's been completely unbeatable, that's tough. It's a hard thing, isn't it?
1: No, because in life you have to understand. Well, yeah, you can be, you know, in, in sports, you know, everyone's beaten in sports. Every, you know, we're designed to be beaten in sports. But what are we going to do after that? Because that's a small increment of our life. Mm. What are we going to do after that? Are we, going to, uh, are we going to give up because we're going to believe this is the best moment of our life and we no longer have it because we don't possess that crown mm. that calls us this, I don't know, a champion, a king, or whatever you are. Mm-hmm. We have to continue to go on improving ourselves as human beings.
0: What was, the, what was the greatest moment for you of your career? If I could replay one for you now, what would you choose?
1: I don't know. Um, when I was 16, I went and fought this man in um, Boston, Massachusetts. He was, um, I was, I was 15, 16, he must have been 28. He beat me, but it was really close. I, I thought I had fought my best fight then.
0: And that's the one, you, that's the one you'd remember. Yeah. That's Isn't that so fascinating? That's awesome. It's fascinating. Because it told you that oh. you, you had what it took?
1: Yeah, but maybe it was giving me a standing ovation. Oh. You
0: love that feeling.
1: Yeah, because I lied about my age, and everybody they knew who I was, and they know some guy knew I lied. They, they said you're 15 because you know everybody. I was on the stage, and I was like, you know, I was a young guy. it's just won the junior national championships twice. Everybody thought I was a guard. I was only 16, 15 years old, and this guy, I would fight him. He, I was his last fight. He turned professional, but he was just so intelligent fighter. He was smart. I never fought a guy. I know it was just I said, wow, it was a great fight. Everybody was standing in an ovation, but he won. But I, I wow. thought I won. But I said, "Why? Wow, that was just my greatest performance. I gave it all I had." See, isn't, that fa- <laughs> isn't that fascinating? I gave it all isn't I had, it? So, so you cho- I
0: you choose a moment that nobody—I bet no Mike Tyson fan in the world would have thought would have ever thought that would be the moment you'd have chosen. It's an amazing answer. Yeah. And yet, I can see as you relive it why that meant so much to you. I cried all the way home. You did
1: uh, from Boston and New York. Oh, I'm staying in New York all the way home. Yeah. Really?
0: Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing.
1: No, it was Rhode Island. It was Rhode Island to New
0: York. I cried all the way home. What happened to that guy? Do you know? The guy you No, met? I saw
1: him before. Um, I saw him again at a professional fight. I must have had two amateur fights, two professional fights. But then he, he had turned professional. He didn't do well in professional. I saw him. I gave him a hug. And I was just always so clean and pure. And I saw him. I gave him a hug. I smelled him. He had a lick <laughs> on his breath. Mm, yeah. You know? And he, he went a different way in life. But that experience that he gave me
0: made me a better individual. Amazing. Wow.
1: I'll never forget him.
0: Do you remember his name or not? Um, Beanie. Beanie. You even remember that? Isn't that amazing?
2: That's such an amazing story, dude.
0: Great fighter, too. Fascinating.
1: Man. I was doing this as a kid, ever since I was 14, 13. That's all I ever did. Mm. No breaks or nothing. All I ever did, I lived with Custer. That's all we ever did. Our whole perspective was about fighting, the concept of fighting, the, psych, psych, the psychic of fighting.
0: Do you ever think what, what would have happened to you if you'd never met Gus?
1: Um, no, because it was ordained by God for me to meet him. Me thinking what would have happened is incidental. It means nothing. It doesn't exist.
0: Because when I've interviewed you before, I remember you saying that the thing, the absolute thing he instilled in you was was discipline. That everything with him was about discipline
1: everything to do what I, mm. to do what i hated to do but do it like i love it
0: mm. Mm.
1: and did you hate it or did you i hate training you know, who loves who really training. loves training training every every day mm. and i don't care how much of a killer you are in the ring when you're in the sparring the ring some sparring partners be you kicking your ass mm. and <laughs> you're frustrated almost drop and you get boom and he almost drops you so you got to keep your cool and not get mad and it's just it's, 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 it's complex sport
0: I remember asking Freddie Roach I went up to his gym here and I asked Freddie when was the only have you ever been scared you know when you've been doing a session with somebody and he laughed he went well there was a time when Mike came in and he was in a really bad mood and things got pretty pretty Lively in the ring.
1: <laughs> I, I really can't believe I was that guy. You know, when I hear about
0: that guy, people say he had scary
1: stories of me and mm. stuff. And I'm um, God. You know. Um, Does
0: it seem like another person to you know? Um Do you ever feel that might now? I mean, Do you ever get involved in a situation where suddenly you feel the old feelings? Or- no, I
1: know who that guy was, though. You know, before I didn't understand that mm-hmm. guy, I know who that guy was. That guy, is, he's afraid. You know, he's insecure you have to love him people know that he's, he's really
0: deserved love when was the last time you actually hit someone in anger
1: wow okay I don't remember it happened um, in California I know it must have been I had a reporter I was coming back from England and I had a reporter and um, I was high too. I just did some cocaine right before I Got on the, the plane from England, and as soon as I went, and I was still high, so I didn't get no rest. As soon as I, soon as I was ready to go to sleep, boom, I was, I dropped. So I'm irritated, going. This yeah. guy's filming me, and then I clocked the guy. Ugh. Yeah, and okay. now I see the guy at the airport all the time. We always talk. He's a good friend. We went through the Susa. I Really? 25. I'm not getting some money, and so we're cool, and we're friends I now. bet he
0: doesn't take your picture without no, he permission No, I let him take it. no, don't be that way. You should shoot yeah, me.
1: Yeah. I really have a great deal of respect for him now.
0: And that was the last time. It was a
1: few years yeah, ago, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I had my children with me, my wife and my mother-in-law with me. I was a pig. Oh, God. So embarrassed, you know. So embarrassed.
0: But that's quite a few years ago, right? Yeah, So you've you've learned real self-discipline about... I learned that that I was that guy
1: one time, and I need to have been struck a lot of times too. It's just that I had the the stigma that protected me and stuff. But I understand that we all make mistakes in life, and we're just here learning. And it's almost over. I was a young kid. I was a heavyweight champ. I was a homeless child not too long ago. And boom, I'm 52. It's almost over. Where did that time go? What did I actually learn? How did I get here? What's my purpose for?
0: What do you say to your kids about life? What what, What advice do you give them? Excuse me? What do you say to your kids about life?
1: I explain to them they get out of life what they put in life. You know, you have to go into life with a great deal of dignity, honor, and respect. But a great deal of determination as well, you know. And I, I try to explain that to them, and, but it's so difficult for me to explain that to them when these guys are in a nice little match and the house is clean. They got tutors made, and maid, and I say to myself, "What the fuck am I trying to say to you?" Because that's not even in existence to them. That's, they don't even believe that. They still attack me and strike me. They don't think I'm no tough guy. And sometimes I think because of some of my success and what I've done in life. I think I I stole that from my kids. They can't see the reality of where I came from. Mm. Their grandmother and their grandfather was um pimped and prostitutes and they lived in a very dark, vice life and these kids live in the light, you know? Mm. And I call that elevation. Mm. Evolution, excuse me.
0: New evolution, oh, yeah, I get yeah. it completely. It's a different world, isn't it? Yes. It's a different world.
1: Exactly, it's a different world. Sometimes my whole life I thought I was a stick, you know what I mean? Fucking the god of the savages. Look where I came from. I felt sorry for myself. Had chips on my shoulder because I was always poor. I was uneducated. Fuck everybody. I'm a monster. to watch me rain and all that stuff. And I just found out I'm a little scary boy. I'm not no
0: tough guy. Were you ever scared in the ring?
1: Oh, petrified. Really? Yeah, I was just a disciplined fighter. I was always petrified. Even at your peak? My first pro fight. My first pro fight, I remember feeling the fight when they match you up. That's the guy you fight. And so I went outside, of, I don't know, to go for a walk. I was getting ready to get on the plane, train, and I come back. I was so scared. And
0: even at your peak when you were the world heavyweight champ? Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, you have to have – I can't imagine participating in any kind of combat sport without it. Isn't that interesting?
0: That's fascinating to me because I can't yeah. imagine – but when, I, knew, well, I watched you I in the knew, ring. I
1: knew fear from a different perspective. I knew fear from my mother and father not being respected, from my father being arrested a lot, from just being a street person, living in fucking abandoned buildings, not having food. So I knew what you know, fear was and stuff. And, that, and I knew what it was like to be bullied by people. And I know what it was like to be afraid by the neighborhood tough guys. Mm-hmm. And I just brought that darkness
0: with me once Cuss helped me with the other part of it. Fascinating. I went to see Mike's one-man show in Vegas. Took my three sons, and we sat in a booth, and and it was such a surprising show because it wasn't about boxing at all, really. It was about life. And you were there. You had your white suit. And you had this lovely gospel choir. You had it was oh and, the and, trip, right? That's oh, sick, <laughs> he Mark. saw the first one it before was, Spike got involved. It was, fun, but honestly, I loved it. I loved the simplicity of it, and you just telling your story. And it was such an, a, a really inspiring story because. You didn't make it all about, look at me knocking people out. I mean, we did come away thinking Brad Pitt's very lucky to be alive. Oh, yes. yes, yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's
0: what we did come away with. But um, no, it was really, it was very interesting to me. And I've interviewed you a number of times over the years and always found you've got such a complexity of layers about you as a human being. Yeah. Very, you're a very complex character. And yet, that makes you a fascinating person to interview. Yeah. Because you have such a good perspective on so many things because you've been through such dark places as well as good stuff. Yeah. And that's most people don't get to some of the places you've been to. They, they can't understand what that is like. That's why, in a way, I think some of these big debates America's now having, it'll be people like you that can have a real effect and influence on people because they look at you and they, they relate to you in a way they would never relate to someone like me.
1: You really think
2: so? I do. Yeah, yeah. man. I do, yeah. It's because you – were the epitome of a warrior, you know, with your ferocity and your, just your attitude and your energy and everything you brought into the ring, man, for you to then talk about how you felt fear in the ring. And then, I mean, Mike, I mean, let me just acknowledge, dude, for you to wrap up and understand that all of your fear you gathered from when you were a little kid and you brought all of that with you into the (laughs) ring, man. for you to be able to articulate that it transforms people because people go oh fuck i'm not alone i'm fucking terrified and i'm not alone and mike tyson a god among men has felt fear and feels fear it's powerful man
1: yeah that's the real deal
2: it's powerful and that's why, you know, that's why this show is is so fucking important what we're doing, man. Have Pierce come on. Have these people come on and we talk about life. How do we teach our kids, you know, that even in this life where all of these resources are provided for you, you still need to have grit and tenacity. And you still need to understand that life is not all fucking butterflies and cupcakes and then you're not supposed to be happy all the time nobody is
0: but that's the thing i think the problem that kids have they have two things i think one is the instagram phenomenon yeah where every kid's on instagram and all they're seeing all the time is a life they would love right and they see perfect images and perfect pictures everything is airbrushed everything is cleansed to show perfection an unobtainable perfection. Even the supermodels can't look as good right. as these pictures, right? And so you're chasing an impossible dream. It's not the conventional American dream, which is achievable, which is if you work really hard and have a passion for something, you, have a, you can succeed in this country. You have a good chance. This is an unobtainable dream. You're never going to look as perfect as these people are pretending to be. So you have a pretense around a dream, yes. which is damaging. And secondly, I think the kids, you know, they're always on their I've got a seven year old girl as well. And I've got three much bigger boys, but they're all on their phones all the time. I'm on my phone all the time, you know, we, we all do it. But Of course. I I, I I was interviewed by Dr. Phil for his podcast recently. We were talking about why is it that kids are so much more anxious generally about the world, mm. you know, and about stuff that's going on. And he made a really interesting point that of course what technology's done is it's brought the world to people's phones. Yes. Right? So in the old days, if something happened now in Chicago or Seattle, right? You know, an alligator killed somebody or something, right? We wouldn't know about it here, right? You wouldn't know that happened, right? Now you're going to see a video of this alligator eating a guy. Yeah, and and, then, and you're going to see it within twenty the, minutes. Then, then,
1: then, you saw it on television. Right, right. then the thing they had the foot in the leg and then went into right. the water. Right, and
0: you're going to see it happening within fifteen what minutes of f- it Right, saw it. right. You, right. Just, you saw it. Right, so there you go. So. We would never have known that even happened. Right. So now, if you're on Twitter all day or Facebook, right, you just think the entire world's going completely nuts. nuts. When in fact, as I say to kids, here's the truth: it's the safest time to ever be alive in recorded yeah. history. Fewer people are being killed than ever recorded before. Right. It's the healthiest time to ever be alive statistically we're living much longer than we used to and we're fighting many more diseases exactly. more successfully now right it is you know in almost every way of measuring life there's less poverty than there's ever been in the history of planet Let's, earth
1: uh, well, this from egypt um in egypt the height of egypt is life expectancy exp- exp- was um 35 years old right 35 years old. Can you imagine 35 years old? That's and so, crazy. And even in prehistoric time, it was 20. Right. I so got we four years. 20 years. So, we 20 tell. Years. so you let's tell the kids, years? look, yeah. here's,
0: here's the good news, right? The planet's a pretty good place right now. There are fewer wars than there have ever been historically. You're going to live yeah, longer. Thinking, you know?
1: Listen, I was just telling one of my kids, I said, can you imagine it's going for a walk? Back in you know I mean um, the dark ages so to
0: speak, oh, and you're yeah. going
1: forward, hoo, hoo, and boom, you see you see sixty thousand people, the foreign army at your door, right? God, yeah. Damn,
0: yeah. it's different now. Ready
1: to
2: just burn the yeah. fucking village to the ground.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yet you see the this generation think it's the yeah, worst has yeah. ever
2: been. I know. And we have no need to know that an alligator killed no, a dude in Chicago. None. Like it does us no good. None. For our safety, no, for our understanding have, this, of the,
1: the world. Is, it, I agree with you 100%, but know what? Since the beginning of time, we were told that we need to find knowledge for mm. some reason mm. and information. Since the beginning yeah. of time. Yeah. We now have two months well, of information. Even our biblical get... guys, they travel, find, mm. you know I mean, learn. And stuff. Well, it's we crazy. get a hit of
2: dopamine mm. and serotonin mm. when we learn something new. Mm. Because that's how our brain works. Because mm. every time it wants to reward us. Every time we do something new that it hasn't seen or experienced before. So when you're looking through your Instagram feed, you're seeing a new thing every second. And
1: you're just getting hits of that. So listen, um, yes, for instance, um, I, look at, I normally watch police um, pulling over people and harassing people and people being disrespectful to police. I did that stuff. And then I started, um, I saw um, a picture of me fighting someone. So I started looking at me. And, I started, and every day I started looking at me. And every day, uh, every other day, they had a new story with me about me mm-hmm. from somebody I don't even know. They don't even know me. And he's telling people stories about me, you know, for like an hour. Mm-hmm. put together a story and telling people's story about me. So I'm finding out so much false information about me mm-hmm. with actual facts about me. He just
0: blowing my mind. And it gets to the stage where even if you are right. saying it, people won't believe yes. it because they've already been told that's not true. Right. So the truth is getting killed out there. You know, Facebook and all these companies are allowing so much fake news, genuine fake news to be spread, and it's dangerous.
1: It's really bad because it, um, I think what they're looking for is just um, – spectacularism, you know mm. what
0: I mean? Yeah. Clickbait. Because. Well, it's what you said. It's the gratification that comes from that hit. And we're now in a world where every, everyone wants it instantly. Boom, 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 yeah. boom. It's why people's patience for anything has gone. You know, my favorite sport is cricket. And the reason we love it so much is Americans just don't understand why we would like a sport where you can play five matches of five days each, and at the end of it, the score might be 0-0. Zero, zero. And we did it deliberately to confound Americans and make sure that you never played it, <laughs> so that you could never beat us at Competed. it. Which is what you would do, yeah. yeah. We, we must prefer the fact that Americans like to have your own sports where you call yourselves the world champions. Hey, listen, we prefer that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Further,
1: yeah. You know, yeah. You know what you're about? all world
0: champions, even though you're Except the only country that enters.
1: Americans are greatest in inventions.
0: Yes. Yes, the best at it. but you're also <laughs> the, the, best the, at it. the best thing you do, Mike. Is we invent
1: this, Dylan.
0: You create sports and then you declare yourselves world champions, yes, even yes. though no other country is allowed to enter. I admire that.
1: Well, the
2: Jaguars <laughs> might be coming to London yes, pretty soon. I saw soon. that.
0: Yeah, I saw that.
1: Well, how do you I, how you don't think you do, handle that in England? God, man. so
2: as a journalist, I mean, what's your take on fake news and this phenomenon? I mean, it's really started in the last what. Five years,
0: I think, the, or in,
2: the, was the Trump?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think the internet. Trump has come along. Look, Trump's what he's always been. He's a bullshitter,
2: right? Let's right. Of course, yeah. He's
0: somebody that spent his entire life selling buildings He's talking shit. And he starts. He starts off saying this building's worth one hundred and fifty million. Right. He knows privately he wants a hundred. Someone says, "Don't be ridiculous." It's worth forty, and they settle on ninety. Right, and everyone's happy. Right. He's taken that same mentality to the White House. Now, some of the stuff he does, I think, is is good. And it's working. Some of it, I wish he'd, he'd stop being so petty and p- pathetic in some ways, unpresidential. But ultimately, Trump will be judged on his actions, not his words. And, you know, I, I suspect he might get reelected. How do you have I, you, listen, Dude, I, I don't tell me, listen. disagree. And this,
1: um, I don't know, and this civilization is Trump, man. This is just a guy that's on fire and yeah. his own constituencies. He's on fire there.
2: I wasn't necessarily asking about him as much no, as think the fake, fake news thing.
0: about fake news is I don't blame Trump for that. Right? I think he's okay. just, he's come along at a time when – He's just sort of – he's The internet he's, is to blame. Right, Twitter right. and Facebook and these companies, all of which I use as a consumer – They have not been strong enough and tough enough in cracking down on fake news. Trump, for for better or worse, he he lets you know what he's thinking in real time. He He can't help it. He's telling you what he's he's saying, good, bad and ugly. Some of it is ugly. Some of it is good. I think he's a fascinating political animal. Yeah, it's I, uh, fascinating. But I think we the need fact,
1: to the talk fact, to Trump. Um, Tyson like, need to talk to Trump. He should.
0: He's taken his message to social media, which allows <laughs> him to talk directly it's to horrible. the public and bypass everybody. Right? That's yes. what really pisses the yeah. I know he
2: doesn't do it. He's totally he's, he's non-conventional,
0: and he is what he is. And down in the middle of America, I, I go there a lot. They love Trump for all the reasons that the coasts don't like him. Right? They love Trump. Uh. They love it, him sticking it to the media. They love him sticking it to everyone. Right, right. Uh, defending himself. But, you know, if you read The Art of the Deal, his book, it's all in there. Yeah. There's nothing Trump is doing now which is any different to the Trump in that book. This is the guy he's always been.
2: Absolutely. It's why he won. You know, it's still like it, the putting, conversation putting Trump, hasn't Put
1: in Trump supports Mike Tyson. It's one of those things.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm just really so like you know. I mean, that's pretty weird. Man. Well, he loves boxers. because so. I did I did the Celebrity Apprentice season yeah. one with him, and I was in there with Lennox Lewis and Tito Ortiz, the one who did yeah. this podcast. And I I ended up winning it. I knocked out Lennox in the semi final. Holy fun. moly! Yeah. yeah, Lennox, if you're watching, I knocked you out. He's
1: watching bang. too. <laughs> bang bang!
0: <laughs> and Lennox's last words to me before we went in for the oh, final boardroom, no. he said, "He said I'm going to get this." He said because. Donald Trump loves boxes. I won't, mate. I'm knocking oh, you out. Man. What do you think of the Mueller report? Well, it's it's look. This was designed to investigate Russian collusion, right? right? So the whole point of the Mueller re- investigation was that. Everyone kept saying Trump colluded with the Russians to fix the election. So he's a fake president who shouldn't be there. The Mueller report's come back, and it's completely exonerated Trump of any collusion. Not only Trump, but any of his campaign team. It's also exonerated any American. There's no evidence of any American whatsoever actively colluding with the Russians to fix the election. There are, I think, bigger questions to answer about the obstruction of justice uh, stuff. But, on that, I would simply take the bigger picture. This is Trump basically reacting badly to fake allegations of collusion right and so, if you take away the fake allegation of collusion, you have none of his erratic, angry behavior which is now being categorized as obstruction it 's like chicken and the egg. you know there is no chicken i the Mueller report is if you imagine that as the as the overarching thing, there's no obstruction without the allegation of fake collusion, which turned out to be fake. So I have a lot of sympathy for Trump on this. I think that he he was falsely accused of colluding with the Russians. And it was they were saying it delegitimized his election win. And he took it very badly. I think all the behavior that they're now saying was obstructing justice came out of him feeling pissed off, quite rightly, that cable news was 24-7 pounding him for collusion, which in the end... Was proven not to have happened, so I've got sympathy for him on it. But you know they're out to get him, and yeah. but I'm not sure it's a clever. They strategy. want to watch him burn, and I, I think it's a it's a mistake by the Democrats in particular, because I think it will help get Trump reelected. I dude, I'm I really I'm telling
2: it. people myself, Pierce. I'm like, man, he's going to get reelected, dude.
0: You can't you can't keep hammering a guy like him uh, without people who support him feeling even more strongly they want to support right. him. Yeah. So actually it empowers his base. And I think the Democrats don't have a candidate yet that can beat him. Uh, and I'm, I'd be very interested who they put up against him because you need someone who's going to be very tough. And I don't see who that person is. It's, it would be like putting someone up to fight Mike in his prime, right? Who is that person? Everyone thought it was someone like Michael Spinks, and he, you know, he collapsed in front of you. <laughs> so who is this person that can beat Trump? It's all Very well screaming about him, yeah, and saying what a monster he is, right. But at some stage in 2020, and it's coming up fast, it's coming up this real fast, is 18 months, right? It's real fast. And Trump is and already no, raising, and there's nobody so much money. even close, there's no. no one
1: even close yet. No, hey, let's look right. at Trump when he's young. When we did Pepsi commercials, all right, put Trump in Pepsi commercials. Mm. Oh my God. Going back, this is when he was a young guy. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that man when he was young, Pierre? I do, I do. He was very, you know, he was. A very interesting character, Trump. I mean, for what 30, 40 years he's been in the news, isn't he? He's a yeah. big, as a big figure. It's not like he suddenly came along. Everyone knew who Trump was. They just never imagined he could become president. But I, I thought he could. I, the moment he said he was running, I told people, "You watch this." I wrote they columns too. about it. Yeah. Look at youngie. Look at this. Yeah. Catch the fight <laughs> before
1: the fight. <laughs> <laughs> Was that for your fight? Yeah, we We did a lot of commercial We had a bomb back then, dude. That's fucking cool. Did you speak
0: to him after he won? Have you seen him since? No, no.
1: no. I think we will though soon. Mm. We're gonna talk to him about this weed thing, man. Mm.
0: Yeah, what? You, let's talk about yeah. the weed
1: thing. So, yeah, let's talk about you it
0: know where I come from in England. Uh, obviously, this is illegal. You know, you couldn't do this. Um, in yeah. public in the way that you are. And yet I've watched the way in California things have gone and it appears on the face of it to have been very successful.
2: And whether you call it recreational or med- or medicinal, people who are using cannabis recreationally are using it to medicate some issue that they're dealing with, people hey, self-medicate with alcohol,
0: drink themselves into they no, right. no, right. no
1: AA in Britain, okay? <laughs> you're a wimp if you go to AA in True. Britain. You in Britain and you in AA, you're a fucking pussy. Wow. Okay,
0: that's <laughs> well, a nice well, We man. drink an awful lot, and yet the same people that drink, 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 go. Oh, we couldn't possibly legalize cannabis. I'm like, trust me, you should be on cannabis, not alcohol. Yeah, because that's doing a lot worse for you than cannabis would.
2: Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, from the medicinal side, it interacts with our endocannabinoid system. You know, I'm sure you know all about that.
0: Very familiar with it.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> actually, I uh, am. PFT. I, actually I believe that you are. I did a show on this with yeah. Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Exactly. We exactly. Actually, we actually tried it on air. I figured. Um, what about did psychedelic you really? drugs? You ever experienced I have you not know? tried psychedelic Never. drugs. Never. It? Oh,
1: man, it's changed my whole life. Really? Yeah. Well, DMT? Like no, no, I did SD when I was like 10 years old before. But listen, right? The fact is that um, <laughs> I did this. To explain to him. Come on, please explain told to him. The to- it's ancient um, medicine, so to speak. Well, cannabis has
2: opened the door for a lot of these plant medicines that are now beginning to emerge, in my opinion, because you know, spirit, Gaia, whatever you want to call it, the energy that binds all of this together realizes that there is a great need for an awakening to happen. So things like DMT and 5-MeO-DMT and ayahuasca and psilocybin and, you know, MAPS is releasing tons of research about, you know, the positive effects of MDMA and all these things. But what Mike had an experience with a very transformative experience with that. I I've been blessed to witness and be on this ride with them is this stuff from the Sonoran desert toad, which is a, uh, a toad that they milk and they out from its venom. They put it on, they milk it onto like a sheet of glass. They let it dry for 24 hours. Really? Yeah. And it becomes like a <laughs> – like uh, it crystallizes, I guess. Um, and so you vaporize it. And 5-MeO-DMT – DMT is produced in our pineal gland. And we get one shot of it when we come into being in our mother's womb. And then we get another shot of it when we die. And they say that it's the portal of the soul into the physical realm. Fascinating. And so – you have these substances like ayahuasca or the toad which Mike did and And it's
0: legal this stuff
2: um no it's legal like ceremonially um and it's you know you can go down to Mexico to do it um Mike Mike did it yes Yes, it
1: it was um inconceivable so um intergalactic you know for instance, I, you, I'm in the sky. I'm, I'm just, I die. You take it, I inhaled it, pfft, I exhaled, and I died. I actually died.
2: You have an ego death.
1: You know, I'm afraid. I died.
0: Well, you feel like you're dead.
1: No, I am dead. I don't exist. I, my, I have no body, I have no legs. It's just my my entity. I'm just, I'm just, and I don't know what's going on. I'm scared. And, um,. I wanted power. This last time I took it, probably two weeks ago or so, three, I wanted power. And I, I got so much power, um, I disintegrated.
0: So I'm not sure if I feel comfortable about you being empowered by, by toad stuff. <laughs> no, no I it, it toad makes you walk too. around like you're, you're, you're feeling powerful again. No. It could be it, dangerous.
1: Yeah, it could be, but it wasn't. When I was finished, I was in love with love. Really? Yeah, I was in love with love. I realized that everything I wanted was out of fear, and that it was it was something worthy of prayer. Than it wasn't me. It was, and then, we know it as God, but it was a big entity. Entity, and it was only I only wanted to worship to it.
0: How many times have you been properly in love in your life?
1: I have no idea.
0: Properly in love, like you know,
1: considering myself. Yeah, my whole life
0: <laughs> I've been in love there, apart from you. I mean, other people.
1: I don't know. It's so easy for me to fall in love, I fall in love with a pigeon
0: <laughs> yeah but you love your pigeon? yes, I do how many have you still got the pigeons? yeah how many do you have?
1: Well, I've had a couple of thousand i probably got a I probably got a thousand now
0: fifty What is it you love about a pigeon
1: um let's see um my childhood the first time I ever got into a scuffle was over a pigeon why? Somebody took my pigeon and ripped his head off.
0: Uh, really? Yeah.
2: God, so, yeah. so fucked up.
1: There was a bunch of kids that were coming around the neighborhood. They heard that I had I had robbed the house and I had some money, so I went and bought some pigeons. I was a pretty, pigeon fancier, so um I was put my I hid the pigeons to all these guys. One guy that I told him with a brother, he told some other guys so they came to the neighborhood, stole my pigeon. And um I was fighting them, so I got all my birds back, but the guy had snuck one of my birds in his jacket and ran. And someone said, Mike, he has one of your birds. And so I went to catch him. I said, can I have my bird, please? He said, fuck you. You want this bird, you fat nigger? He ripped the bird's head off. the bird, And my friend said, fight him, Mike. And I fought him. That's the first time I ever fought or won a fight.
0: Really? Wow. Yeah. That was the time? Yeah. Because the guy killed your pigeon?
1: Big time, yeah. First time I ever had a fight or tried to fight somebody.
0: And when, when you're with your pigeons now, what does it bring you? What would you get out of it? I don't
1: know, taking me back to my childhood. In what way? They have to take care of them and protect them.
0: Because of what happened to that pigeon that time?
1: Yeah, somebody had to take them, steal them from me. It's crazy. Yeah, don't, don't even try to. Explain, tell it's me, amazing. Yeah? Explain yeah. To it's crazy. Yeah. So you
0: feel like a collective protection thing yeah. for them? You want yeah. them to take care of them?
1: Yeah. Um, I've known people who have thrown people off the roof for their pigeon, like four stories. Off the roof, yeah. That's the kind of world we come from. You steal our shit, we'll kill you, or we'll hurt you real bad. You never steal from anybody again. That's just the mindset. When I could have just gave him a fucking couple of pigeons, we had hundreds of them. <laughs> you know, if anybody ever wanted some birds from me, I would give it to them now.
0: Do they have characteristics that yeah, you really like? Yeah, all
1: different. None of them are the same. They're all different? Yeah, all different.
0: They're like humans? Yeah. There's no, nothing the same. Nothing. Do you get some that are aggressive and some that very are very aggressive?
1: Yeah, isn't that interesting? It is, but they're like people. When you watch them, there's a couple of hundred men on this side of the roof. The little boxes, probably twelve foot, twelve inches the boxes and of course a couple of hundreds of boxes across the wall and you watch them intact, some of them are quiet some of them stand on top of their box irritating, irritating other pigeons starting trouble messing with other guys women other guy comes in and fights and then he goes back to his box it's just a bunch of shit going <laughs> on <laughs> so crazy did
0: you talk to them huh did you talk to
1: them yeah yeah i say I, I could talk to them i talked to them um, cause what, do you, some, what do you say well, I tell him, you know, stop fucking with that one. <laughs> grab him and throw him in this box. Cause he goes over there and beats up on the young bird. You know, it's just, it's just a bunch of stuff. It's fascinating. It's awesome. It's like a little community. It's do nothing but fight and make love and cheat on each other.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, it's complex. Yeah. Like human.
1: Yeah, yeah it's like humans. Everybody's cheating. He has a baby in this box and he got eggs in this box. So he he's his time here. Then when his wife gets on here, he gets on the eggs there. It's uh, just
0: crazy. <laughs> that's so funny what do you make of the of the fight game
1: at the moment I don't know I haven't looked at it too much you know they had a really good exciting fight with Tyson Fury and yeah. the Hotel Warrior on. Yeah. Um, what's it Wilder yeah so that's bringing heavyweight you know, boxing back in this generation because that was really exciting
0: for heavyweight what game. do you make of Tyson Fury because he's a gypsy at heart you know, a- what does that mean they hit the gypsy they're heart? kind of you not know, been the gypsy
1: cat, but I just want to know what is they're, that what they're,
0: tra- they're, tra- they're tra- a traveling community yeah. So, they don't have any fixed place. They travel around in caravans. They set up homes wherever they go for a few weeks, a few months. And they They keep amongst themselves. They're very tough. A lot of the bare knuckle fighting is done by. But a lot gymsies. of them have been
1: very successful businessmen. Yeah, 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 yeah totally, know, yeah. They haven't been totally isolated to that, that form
0: of life. No, no. No, no, not at all. But they you know, they people, some behave badly and give them a bad name. Many others, I think, are very decent people. And I've met quite a few travelers in my life. They have a very they have specific a code of yeah. life, and they
1: have mm. they, they have the the mystic lifestyle. Yeah, you yeah. know they live yeah. in the afterlife as well. Yeah,
2: yeah. that's
1: you, interesting. Do you like Anthony
0: Joshua or
1: not? Hey, I really like him. He's like really um. Know what he is? He's really a uh, a breath of fresh air. Yeah, you know he's just really he's really clean. He's really he really looks clean. He's a clean guy. He's a clean fighter. He's a good punchies he's just, you know, you just wish the best for him.
0: Can someone like that, would would anyone as clean as that have beaten Tyson at his peak?
1: I don't know, you know, I don't know. My, my ego said nobody would beat you, but you look at him and, it's never, you know, he just looks beautiful, you know, what I mean, he just looks like a fighter, you know. He looked like he was born to do what he has to do. He needs more experience, of course, but that'll come in
0: life, you know. He has, we watched... Uh, we went to the Stable Center and watched Lemonchenko the other night. Mm-hmm. Oh, he must have gave you a show, huh? Wow. That guy. Who did he fight? He fought a British guy called Anthony Kroler, yeah. oh, yeah, who has like, won titles. You know, this guy's won titles. He must have been out of his league. Huh? It was uh, several leagues. <laughs> he must have been out of his but league. But watching that guy, Lemanchenko. He's I, like a ballet pl- dancer. Yeah. He's a ballet dancer. He's extraordinary. Extraordinary. I thought one of the best I've ever seen.
1: See, now I'm looking so forward. to a young guy that we have from our community. He's from Baltimore, and his name is Javante Davis. Javante yeah. Davis is his name. My son right. knows, yeah. Yeah, his name is Javante <laughs> Davis. Yeah. And um, he's not ready for Machenko yet, but and let's say two years from now, I'd like to see those guys fighting. Yeah, because they're
0: saying the problem he's got is he's so good, there's nobody really around to give him a legacy, you know. You fought all the big ones. You know, Ali fought all these great champions. Lemonchenko, there's no one as good as him. Yeah, so he, he, he can't have easy. these big fights that everyone wants to see.
1: What, we'll weight class is he? Well, he's going to have to keep fighting for many years then. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what keep... is he? He's he's light middleweight, is he? He's or... like a
1: lightweight, 135 pounds. Yeah. He's a little guy, very master.
0: But my God, he was impressive.
1: It was. He doesn't breathe. It's no, it's just simple. It's just easy. It's just like... Yeah. Um, it's like the toad. It's just like you're under that. It's slug. in the flow. Yeah, it's good
0: stuff. Who's who's the greatest fighter you've seen? <sighs> man, listen, man. Anyway, Just anyone. Because you're such a, a, an expert.
1: Ali, right? I'm talking about guys that I have four. Besides Ali, because Ali, Ali's the best. But listen, man, um, Chavez was magnificent. For instance, let's talk about Chavez. You yes. know, Floyd is making a big thing. I love Floyd. Floyd's the best. I, I disagreed with Floyd for so many years, but he, he made me believe that he's the best, okay? We just think Floyd won 50 fights, he's undefeated. Imagine if Chavez stopped at 75. He was undefeated at 75. Imagine if he stopped at 75. five. No, Don't forget that. Imagine if he stopped at 85. No, so I think he stopped at what? He got beat at what, 89, 90 fight, 90 fight, something like that. You know... Crazy. When you pass that record, then you, you know, that I mess mean, he's your way. You're not Rocky Marciano way. That heavyweight should be the 50 and 0 guy. They should break the record and all that stuff. You know, somebody should go after that record. Say what, 89 and he was 89 and 0. Somebody should go after that record. That is purely, um, unmatchable. Okay. Yeah. It's just yeah. unmatchable. And I was living that period. It was just incredible. To watch that. To watch that ride. Mm-hmm. I'm just to fights after fights after fight, fighting every month, every two weeks, just fighting all over the world, fighting, fighting, fighting.
2: Do guys
0: fight that much no. anymore? No.
1: Yeah. You win a championship at 10 fights now. Yeah. Levinshanka
0: fought like 300 plus amateur, amateur fights, fights, right? Yeah. I mean, that's an amazing statistic. Yeah. It's probably why he's so good. Yeah, yeah. But listen. He's-
1: Willie Pep had 300 am- professional fights. I <laughs> like that. Really? Yeah, Willie Pep, look at him up. Whoa. What a master he was!
0: But for you, Ali would always be number one.
1: Yeah, listen. Um, you look at Ali; he was just magical. He he doesn't even look like a fighter. He looks more like a model than he looks like a fighter. You know what I mean? But when it comes down to fighting that into the right to the guts of thing, fighting with your guts at the last second, he's gonna outdog you at the end. He's the an animal. He's just gonna fight you till you can't fight no more. He's an endurance fighter. Yeah. You got to be ready to fight fifteen rounds with him. He's not knocking him out in his prime you got to be prepared to go the distance. you got to be endured. you got to be ready to go 15 rounds before you even think
0: about even beating them. I met him once at the Beverly Wilshire in L.A. And it was a hilarious night because I'd had dinner with Jerry Springer, who was the new host of America's Got Talent when I was a judge on it. Oh so we went out God. to get to know each other, right? And We had dinner at Mr. Charles, and we walked back afterwards. And during dinner, he said to me, he said, this show I do is the worst TV show in the world, he said. It's the worst in the world. But it pays me so much money, I can't give it up. And he said, "Do you know who watches my show all the time? I saw him a few months ago. Muhammad Ali watches my show Everywhere every with day." His show. So, so I was like, I was thinking to myself, "Bullshit. There's no way Muhammad Ali told you he watches his shit, right? This is bullshit." I'm thinking now, Jerry's bringing you're a bullshitter. I didn't say it. I was thinking it. So we get this, Mike. We walk back, ask Jerry the story. We walk back from the hotel, uh, from the restaurant. We get to the Beverly Wilshire, which has the valet parking in the middle with the two wings, right? And we're both in the back wing. So we walk through valet parking. As we get to valet parking, a stretch limousine pulls up. It's Muhammad Ali and his wife get out of the stretch limousine. This is 20 minutes after he told me this story, right? So now I'm like, well, now we're going to find out, aren't we? And all I remember is two things. One, I remember the incredible reverence of all the staff at the hotel when they saw Muhammad Ali. Yeah. people were literally bowing to him, some were in tears it was amazing, Yo, it, I've never seen this Right, this guy could move people know, just crazy. by his existence crazy. and uh, the second thing I remember is, they got out of the car and Muhammad Ali's wife said oh Muhammad, it's Jerry Springer hey Jerry, he's still watching the show no, listen, <laughs> and listen. I went "Oh, I don't believe
1: it listen, Marty, what's the guy, Murray, Murray so Povich awesome. yeah. Murray Povich at first, he was a serious journalist. Mm-hmm. When he first started doing this show, and then he found out bullshit paid the bill. When he started doing that pregnancy stuff. You are not the father. Man, the ratings went off the chart. All the black people and Latino people started watching. It was fucking off the chart. You are not the father. (laughs) When Bahama came over. People loved that.
0: That was like the best game show ever.
1: He got got a different career. He was a serious journalist, and he went
0: to bullshit. That's crazy. Jerry was a man. You know, he yeah, was a, yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. He was a, and a news anchor. He he had to resign as mayor because he, he uh, slept with a prostitute and paid him by personal check. Oh, Christ. they like, Jerry, how could you pay with a personal check? Uh, but great, he's a great guy. And I always believed everything he ever told me again. But Muhammad Ali got out of the car, and I just remember meeting him. I can remember every second of it. And he was pretty stooped by then and didn't really <laughs> speak very much, but he had this aura about him, yeah. which was extraordinary. And I said to him, why do you like the Springer show? He went... I like the fighting. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's so funny.
0: It was fantastic. Oh, man. That's awesome. Oh, well, Pierce, what do you man. got going
2: on right now, man?
0: Well, I uh, obviously I got run out of the country, um, yeah. so I went back home for a bit. Uh, I'm, I'm hosting the morning show in Britain called Good Morning Britain. Awesome. So, I've been Britain, watching it on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, uh, we have, have fun, the yeah. You, the lady that's with you? the lady that's Yeah, Susanna Reid, yeah. 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 Um, dope. We have, we have good fun, and we're... Um, ratings are going yeah, big and we're having fun and everyone's coming on. Like and, the
1: guys are having fun in the show. Yeah, we want to have Michael. They can't go, I can't do the show. He's, he's, he's
0: going to stay up late right, enough, right? I can't
1: do the show because I can't go to England. Yeah. <sighs> we'll work a Criminal record. We'll we'll work maybe work
0: you're We could do something, yeah. We'll do, We'll work something
1: out. But I used to go all the time until after Mandela died, they said they made this law, this lady made this law, you served more than three years or so, you can't go to England now, I'm fucked.
0: And can you not, uh. there's no way you can appeal it
1: or? Um, listen know who I was talking to? Tony Blair. Yeah. He was at my friend's house, and they were having dinner. I happened to meet him there, and he said, this is ridiculous. I, it must be something I can do, and we're going to find out. It's just nothing. There we I go. feel good about it.
0: It's ridiculous. feel good about so it. Think of the people we let in our country. Yeah. Please. I mean. No, look at the people that come from your country. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm going to campaign. We're going to get England, my Tyson right, back to Britain. England,
1: right, and a different um, kind of um, – counties and stuff they brag about who had the best killers and stuff and who had mm-hmm. the toughest guys in their neighborhood and their serial killers are tougher than your serial killers oh, they're so, <laughs> so, so um, testosterone orientated in England yeah.
0: you know? we love a good fight in England and we love a good fighter I mean, I mean that's why Mike's so revered in England they love him yeah. I was
1: so crazy one day I'm in England I fight the- I-, I beat the promoter up you know I got mad to promote it, um, did something with my money. Uh, he was one of Don King's friends. And at the time I was mad at Don and I, and I'm just, I was just, I don't know what I was doing with my life back then. You were just pissed off, man. At what? I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. I, know. <laughs> I was making so much money. What was I mad about? I was, I just, I didn't like myself back then. I didn't think I was worthy of all that stuff. Had all these people. Listen, people were diving in front of my cars, you know what I mean? Thousands of people. I'm like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? I'm inside out of prison and stuff, right? I'm like, oh, I mean, you, you can't believe this. The English people yes, are totally overwhelming.
0: Don't you, I, I saw on one of your podcasts, they were talking about your level of fame. And I was discussing it with my sons on the way here that we're trying to think. of. There aren't many more famous people on this planet than Mike Tyson. Donald Trump would be one. You know, when he was alive, Nelson Mandela. Princess Diana, when she was alive, but currently alive right now, you know Muhammad Ali is sadly yes. passed as well. There are not many more famous people than you Mike. on this planet. I mean, everybody knows who you are. That's a I say trip. I'm doing this podcast. That's it's a like, trip. What does that make you feel like? That I don't know. Um,
1: <laughs> great question, Pierce. I think about what I've what I've endured to uh, establish that. You know, a lot of self-degradation, self-hate, and
0: stuff. And, um and why, well, why you, do you think, Mike? I mean, so many fighters, you know, some, you know, great fighters, but for some reason you captivated the imagination of the world in a way that very few sportsmen, period, have done. Well, I
1: studied the great fighters and I studied, I period, periodically studied their lives and stuff, even the great English fighters, Jimmy Wilde and all those guys. And I, what I've learned about them, is that they come from ex- extremely humble means, just extremely. And this is what always blew my mind, how they come from. You can't imagine the humble means they come from. And then at the time of their life, next thing you know, they're they rubbing shoulders with queens and kings and emperors and people admiring them. And they come from they, the lives they had. And now you say, what the fuck? And those guys and those guys, um, inspired me, and I wanted to be like them. And so I just, I wanted to be the best I could. I wanted to meet everybody. I wanted to know everybody. I wanted everybody to know me. I wanted to perform in front of everybody.
0: Did you ever meet Mandela? Yes. What was that like for
1: you? He came to New York at the um, United Nations. When he came there, and the first thing he said, where does Mike Tyson live? After I beat Michael Spinks, the first thing he said, can I have his gloves? I sent him the gloves.
0: The ones he wore? Yeah, he was knocked out.
1: He was still locked up though, but I sent him the gloves. Really?
0: Yeah. Wow. To Robin Island? yeah, Really? To his family. And then when you met him, what was that like for
1: you? He's a very humble man. You know, God-like, you know, very um, Zen-like type of guy. He was really awesome. That's
0: Did he know about dope. boxing? Was he a boxer? He was fan? a
1: fighter. He used to be a professional fighter.
0: Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Fascinating. Have
1: you met the Dalai Lama, Mike?
0: No. I have. I would love you to. Meet the, I, I asked the Dalai Lama a series of questions, right? Because he's the most cool guy when you meet him. But he loves <laughs> talking super about zen. sex. I don't know why, but he does. Interesting. Right? Yeah.
2: Interesting. Uh, probably because
0: he's never had it, right? Right. So I, I said to the Dalai Lama, we're sitting there, I said, have you, have you ever had sex? And he said, no, no. I said, what do you feel when you see a, a pretty woman? He said, I say, oh, they're a pretty woman. And then I say, Remember. You are a monk. You are Dalai Lama. And then I have to cool down. And then I went on. I said, I said, have you ever had a drink, alcoholic drink? No. Ever had a drug? No. I said, do you ever watch movies? He said, no. I said, well, not even a Richard Gere movie? He's going to be so pissed off when he hears this. He said, no. I said, do you watch television? No. I said, American Idol? This was the biggest thing on TV at the time. He said, no. I said, do you know who Simon Cowell is? what is that? (laughs) I said, very good question. And then we went through everything. And I said, "Do do you listen to music? No, not really. I said, what do you do? He said, I'm Dalai Lama. He said, I read. He reads everything. Incredibly intelligent man. He's outlived almost every other world leader apart from Queen Elizabeth II in Britain. He's met everybody. Had a very interesting take on American presidents. His favorite was George Bush Jr., Loved W, which very few people I love say. that. And he loved, He got on very... So I just liked him. Just got on with him. Uh, I've interviewed him a couple of times, but he's... He, that would be a conversation he, to I see. Love You should get him on the podcast. He will talk about sex for as long as you want to talk about it. And I think it's because what he's he, just what he's the, never had it. What,
1: what, 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 why would he talk about sex if he know nothing of it? What because would he, he talk wants... About it I think
0: of? he's just very curious. What did he, he say
1: it? about it? I, it? Ask him. No, what did he say to you about it? What did you ask him?
0: I said, how do you control... You know, you must... Did you ask him, did
1: you have a math debate before?
0: Well, I didn't get into the news. Oh, I thought that might be good a Good question. I can leave that for you to ask him. but Man, that very, would be serious. He's very, um, he has a kind of real serenity. I think he's yeah. 80 now. And, and he's got a great sense of humor. I got him to do a selfie with my phone. He thought it was hilarious. and He was like puckering up and stuff. I mean, he's a very intriguing character. Um, and yet he's the spiritual leader of, of so many people. Uh, I found him. I found but him very.
1: What does he know about? Could you tell him what, if you said something like, "Do you know who Alexander the Great is? Did he know that?" I think
0: history. He's good on. Yeah, he'd probably know history that stuff. and current affairs. He'd be very up to speed on. He just doesn't waste time with what he calls trivial right, tri- right. stuff. Right? Yeah, he doesn't bother with trivia. Movies. I
1: don't think nothing in life is trivia. Everything has a purpose. Right, and that purpose you need to be discovered. It need to be searched. It's interesting. It's an
2: interesting idea about that. You know, like, how does a guy who hasn't really experienced anything understand? What does
1: he know about love? It's interesting. Right. How did he um, experience the concept of love that all of us need to go to heaven? Mm -hmm. How did he concept that with spirituality?
0: You know who else has never had a drink, cigarette or drug? Donald Trump. Yeah. He eats a lot of fast food, though. He had an alcoholic uh, brother. Brother. Called Fred. He was about 10 years older.
1: Let me tell you something, right? Nietzsche never had no pussy. Like, the first time Nietzsche had pussy, he caught the claps. All right? He never had, died. The first time having pussy. That's bad. The Who's this? Nietzsche. Frederick oh, Nietzsche. Oh, yeah, yeah. Interesting. One time he fucked when he got the clap. First time. That's fucked
2: up, man. That's some dark shit. He's a kind of dark guy. Yeah, he's a dark dude. He manifested that, maybe.
0: Who do you most want to get on your podcast, mate? Excuse me? Who do you most want to get? Who Cerebio
1: guys, people more like this, the, the mystic types. This guy, Saad Guru?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dalai Lama John
1: would be Colin, interesting. Joan Cannon, she was good. She was mm. good.
0: Mm. How am I getting on? You're doing really off.
2: Awesome.
1: You're the man. <laughs> You're <doing really> awesome. <laughs> You're the man,
0: dude. You are. It's, it's been great. It's, you know, it's a very nice format. You know, I like these podcasts.
1: It's funny when I talk to people that are from, like, Europe – other parts of the world, England or somewhere, because um, they look at life from a deeper perspective than us. They're yeah. human from another perspective. They have different humor than we have. Yeah, I think that's you know? so interesting. Like we're the kind of guys, like, American guy, like me, like if I see a train of the guy, I laugh. Holy shit, my thumb. You saw him get by a train, like, English people, are people more sure. what the fuck are they laughing at? Mm-hmm. You know, we all, we're just, um, I don't know, we're interesting people. We're all the
2: same, but we're not. Mm-hmm yeah there's like a there's a depth i think and a richness in people from
1: older civilizations yeah I think you it's, know? it's inevitable I, I think we have such less um, patience than they do mm. the older countries mm. the older civilizations we are more impatient yeah
0: Imagine. well because you have less to, you have less to base it on historically, you know you're in a rush America to Bigger, better, and everything else, but you don't have any historical perspective where great countries have gone through lots of highs and lows.
1: What do you think? You think you've been here before?
0: Uh, In a previous life? Yeah. Uh, It's a good question. I find it, it, I think that our brains can't really compute the reality of life outside our own existence on this planet. Our brains are too small to really understand it. I mean, I was reading an astonishing thing on Twitter the other day, some scientist put it up. Astrologist I think he was. And it was about the size of this planet compared to the rest of the galaxies out. There. <laughs> and we're not just a pinprick. We're a pinprick of a pinprick. Right. You know, this planet is one of this and this solar system. And there are a gazillion solar systems, each, you know, massively Different bigger. galaxies. Right. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just insane. New black
1: holes are discovered right. leading to different, you know, I mean, dimensions. It was around
0: the black hole picture that came out. And it, it it just reminded me that we just have no idea out there. Now, I'm, I was raised a Catholic, right? So, you know, we I have my religious beliefs from when I was a kid. Um, I'm not the most ardent Catholic you're ever gonna meet, but I certainly I was brought up that way and I got I actually had spiritual guidance from nuns, Catholic nuns, which was very helpful when I was a kid, you know. Um but I do think that we don't really we, we can't comprehend life before or after this life we're in. And it'd be fascinating to know. Part of me thinks I may have been here before. And part of me is pretty convinced that there's a life afterwards because I refuse to believe that we could be having this existence, yeah. this creation here, and then that's just it. I, you know, Ricky Gervais, when I interview him, is adamant that's just it. And I will say to him, but...
2: You're going to be bummed when you're wrong, dude.
1: Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And you're coming back.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to have the I last to laugh.
1: I myself, how is this over? How is this as if, as if I just turned off the switch and it's over? Mm.
0: How does that work? I, don't, I just can't believe it's that's not. what happens. It doesn't make sense to me.
1: Mike, let me ask you a question. What?
2: If you take the idea of reincarnation with six billion and growing souls on the planet, where's all this energy coming from? If so many of us are recycled and we come back in another form over and over again, there are more and more souls coming in. Exactly.
1: That's why I have to look at my life. Newer souls. I look at my life – not being concerned with my life. I have nothing to do. My life has nothing to do with me. Right. Everything I've done in life has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the creator. Yes. That source. Yes. You know when I took another time when I took the toad, I, I felt all the pain of everybody that ever hurt. I felt all that pain.
0: Interesting.
2: You get released from a lot of pain from the, with the toad. Pierce, I threw up a That's lot. A Pierce, thing. too. I threw up. A you lot. did? Yeah, you purge. I threw up a lot. Purge, yeah. yeah.
0: I gotta try this toad. <laughs> it's magnificent. I think it's time for me and the toad to uh, encounter each other. It's
2: a good medicine.
0: I, I
1: did the toad uh, probably a year ago. Right? I don't think exactly a year ago, but um, and I never and I and I, and I and I thought about that before, but I never I never thought this. I always thought about who am I, but I never thought why am I here? What is my purpose here? Mm. It can't be to knock out people for people to applaud to me and make me think that I'm somebody special. After taking a tour, I realized that I don't even exist. I don't even know if I exist at this moment. I just know I'm here. You know? You look for those deep perspectives in yourself, and you realize that, wow, it's almost over. I have did all that stuff I thought I did, everything. I'm living my life. I'm 52 years old, and I'm almost over. What am I doing now? What do I do now? How do I um? How do I make amends with myself? I don't know.
0: Very interesting. Very interesting. I,
2: I believe that we're just – we are the physical manifestations of the universal mind. You know, consciousness is everything, outside everything. And then we just get this opportunity to be in these physical bodies to see what that experience is like.
0: Well, I, will say to, I said to Ricky Gervais, I said, what, what was there before nothing? Atheists can never tell you. Right? They're like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, what was there before nothing? And if you can't answer the question, you have to accept our brains aren't big enough to comprehend this stuff.
1: We can't comprehend that star. Right. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Why did do, why it last so long? Why does it keep fucking um, getting brighter? Why can't we stop that?
0: You're talking about yourself now, Mike.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> never. <laughs> why can't we? You know? We have no control. I was reading about the Rockefellers yesterday. Um, Dude, these guys keep coming up, Mike. And listen, they couldn't give their money away fast enough. They couldn't give it away. It was too much. It was crushing them. They couldn't give it away fast enough. Crazy.
2: Have you read about any of the weird conspiracies about them and the Rothschilds? No,
1: just that the Rothschilds financed every war since Napoleon, Hmm. you know. That kind of stuff. Listen, there was one um, particular story I, uh, I saw with uh, Rothschild. I was looking at this documentary, and um, there was other very wealthy Jewish families, too, that you know started like 100 years ago. And they, they got caught up in a concentration camp, and they stole everything, devastated their finances and stuff. And the Rothschilds just managed to be lucky. They, people stole a little bit of stuff, but they just managed to go into other countries, and it's they just never lost. They just kept... Um, Accumulating wealth, and so now this is the thirty. This is during this is during the time of Hitler. So it's gone. Now it's it's now it's now like yesterday. And I'm looking, and um, they're still friends. Their families are still friends, but they're not wealthy. Mm. But they're still friends. You know what I mean? Germany devastated them, but they still know them, and they, and they just and it continues to go on. Life continues to go on if you survive it. Mm. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's All about being grateful for your life. Right.
0: And that was pretty. That's pretty interesting. I thought.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Have you seen our show before you came on, Pierce?
0: I watched um, <clears throat> two episodes yesterday. Oh, nice. Uh, Terry Crews and Mickey Rourke. Mickey, oh, those were good ones. I don't know Terry, but I was very good. And I, I know Mickey. And in fact, I did a big interview with him for British television just before the wrestler came out. So he was still in that wilderness. Yeah. You know, he was like. He thought it may never come back. And then The Wrestler became his comeback movie. Yeah. And um, he was in his most raw and kind of. Mickey Rourke. Yeah. And The and Wrestler. Once, and once The Wrestler was a hit, he was sort of back in the old Mickey Rourke yeah. thing. But I got him when he was really quite vulnerable.
1: He's really intent, though. Very intent. Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 And he's, you know, he's got in the ring. I mean, I admire anyone who gets in the ring.
1: For sure, Listen, man. He is so crazy. Yeah.
0: Why <laughs> would he go in These and he's going to kill him,
1: man? He is so crazy. Uh, brave. He just loves it, man. Mm.
2: He loves that. Mm. Well, it's been great having you, man. I love
0: I've, it. I've loved it. It's been brilliant. It's Thank been you been very so much. It's been so awesome. It's been a real pleasure. You're great. Come my, back anytime. My, Don't Don't do this too often. You're too good at it. You put me out of a job. <laughs> no way. <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs> are, we, are we out? Are we Another out? Another episode. Another
1: episode oh, of Hot great, Boxing. Guys, thank you. Awesome Pierce guest. Pierce Morgan. I'm Mike Tyson. I'm Evan
0: Britain. And we're out of here. Hey, do you want anybody to know anything? Huh? Uh, just watch Good Morning Britain, if you if good you can. Good Morning Britain. Get it, yeah. Good
1: Morning Britain, yeah. Am I supposed that. to, um,
0: what am I supposed to do with this, Mike? Smoke it. <laughs> 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 Go ahead, <my> oh, <laughs> man, Pimpy. Oh, oh I mean,
1: yeah. There he is. Come on. All right. Oh,
0: oh, this is one in rome right
2: thank you guys so much for listening be sure to subscribe to our podcast hot boxing with mike tyson through your podcast app if you'd like to join this badass experience on the visual plane check us out on youtube at our channel hot boxing with mike tyson mike you got anything to add my brother
1: I love you.